Hello, I'm Laurel, and welcome to the podcast That Fangirl Life. This is the podcast where each week I'll be chatting to a guest about fangirl life as well as answering some of your questions. This week I'm joined by Dan, Josh, and Matt from Pause It Play It podcast to talk all things the 1975. Listen as we discuss what it's like being a fangirl when you're a guy, how they were introduced to the band, and why they think a lot of One Direction fans are now fans of the 1975. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of That Fangirl Life. This week I am joined by Dan, Matt and Josh from the Pause It, Play It pod. Um, We're talking about um, one of my favourite bands, um, the 1975. Um, Hello guys. Hello. Hello. Do we want to go around and introduce us? I feel like I'm back at school. Do you want to go around and introduce yourself? (laughs) Um... Fun fact everybody. (laughs) Okay, um, hello everyone, my name is Josh, uh, I'm 27, I'm from Greater Manchester. <laughs> um, my fun fact is, <laughs> let's go with, I once applied to be Sting in a police tribute band. Did you? Okay. How did you not get the gift? <laughs> uh, it must have been very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't look like Sting. Yeah, there is that. I'm Matt. I am 30 years old. I am my age now begins with a three, which means I'm officially older than the demographic of the 1975. So I'm Dan, and a fun fact about me is uh, I'm colourblind and I painted a castle green once because I thought it was great. Oh, bless. When I was in primary school. Pete. What would you say your definition of usually I say fangirl, but for this case, we'll go with a mega fan or someone who is. A bit more passionate about bands than other people. <laughs> I would say it's yeah. kind of got a bit of a derogatory feel to it, but I feel we three wear it as a badge of honour, even though we are male, where I still say fangirl. I tell people I've got the music taste for a 14-year-old girl. And, yeah, it's because it's got that derogatoriness to it, that's a poor sentence, isn't it? <laughs> I can wear that as a badge of honour. Uh, but really, yeah, it, it just means you're passionate. I think the image it conjures up is those screaming girls that are screaming for the, the Beatles, for example. You know, that, to me, is the beginning yeah. of the fangirl era. And there's nothing wrong with loving music. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you there, Junior, that it's, like, you, you know, I feel like you try to adjust the gender because of boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm a total fangirl for 1975. That's what I've always described myself. Like, that's just a phrase, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just about that oh, over... When people use it in a derogatory way, they are, they're taking the piss, yeah. aren't they? It's not like, you know, a real slight on your personality, is it? But, you know, if someone said I was a fangirl, they, it's just that bit of over-enthusiasm and being a bit too passionate about them to be cool. Yeah, perhaps. yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. It takes it beyond being cool, where you just... Yeah, it's yeah. It's a bit embarrassing. I, I, our early posts on Facebook in like 2011 about the 1975 were, were not cool. Not cool. Uh, no. It's definitely like um, there's like a tribalism though I think when it comes to fan groups, but like both <laughs> positive and negative because you can feel really involved in like a community. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But then also there is like it's kind of like supporting a football club in a weird way, isn't it? Yes, it is because I feel like there's even competitiveness within yeah. the communities. I'm yeah. a bigger fan than you. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, do you want to 
talk about the first time you were introduced to the 1975. I'm assuming they weren't called that back then, but we'll roll with it. So the, the first time I heard of the 1975, it would have been about summer 2011 um, when Matt came round to my house uh, one day with a CD he'd made himself back in those days um, that I think he'd scribbled on the night. Oh, I probably scribbled on something like Drive Like I Do or Talk House or something. It would have been he, Big Sleep that I scribbled on. Big Sleep. Um, and he yeah. was like, you need to listen to this band because like, I've been seeing them in Manchester. I think you'll really like them. And the CD probably contained, it would have been demo versions um, I'll let the other two elaborate on how they got hold of these demos. <laughs> um, of we think it was on this CD. We think it would have been Sex, The City, Chocolate, Robbers, Ghosts, maybe. Yeah, ghosts. Um, and then yeah, so I listened to it and I was like, yeah, I like this. And then a little while later, I remember Matt showing me the video for Sex as well, where it's the black and white one, and they're in the room with all the posts on the wall. And mm. I was, I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it, but I didn't really kind of. Um, take hold of it until maybe the the album came out and i was i was working a bar at the time and i walked on a bar once and the city was playing and i was like oh wow this is the this is the band that matt's been playing me and after that i guess it just snowballed to uh editing <laughs> to a this. two and a half hour podcast every week <laughs> um first time i heard them was oddly enough outside josh's house but josh and dan had never met at this point I was in the car with Dan and he just pulled over as like a, right, you need to listen to this. And he played me sex, but not the version that was on YouTube or is on YouTube with the video. The previous version to that, where it's a bit more upbeat, I suppose, would you say, Dan? It's really poppy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. He's out there. Yeah. You could listen to it if you want it. Yeah. yeah. More jovial. Um yeah, so that was like, yeah, this is well good. And I particularly liked the ending, um, you know, like with the, she's got a boyfriend anyway, but with the, the bits yeah. in between. I, I don't know why, but that particularly connected to me. I just thought, yeah, that is the icing on this lovely cake. I found out about them by sort of being in the Manchester scene, uh, playing in bands, uh not as good as them. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, we ended up playing with them all like on the same day as them in a separate room in the same building uh, once. And they, we just sort of knew each other and had mutual friends and um, people with mutual bands. And yeah, so we sort of, it's hard to really judge how good bands are or anything based on like a live show when you're all 15. Um, but yeah. So we, you know, nobody really ever stood out too much, um, apart from the Cape Race. Go check those guys out, yeah. crazy singer climbing shit. Um, but yeah, so we, that's how we found out about them. And then my mate Manny is really the, the 1975 prophet. He's been on our podcast a few times, and he, he was like, "These guys are unreal." Like he found he found the MySpace when they were drive like I do. We were on the MySpace, and it was like these are so much better than anybody that we know. And it, it wasn't necessarily like a better recording or it was the ideas and those early like Healy sort of conversational lyrics and the, the topics of the song were all already there. And it was like, this is so much better than what we're doing. Um, I think, okay. Dan, you may be a couple of times fewer because I remember like I went 
a couple of times in a week one time and I saw them in Spain yeah. and you didn't go to that so you might be 23 let's say you definitely overtook I heard him out, outside Death Institute in Manchester when we thought one night only who are these and it turned out they were that one hit wonder band who the 1975's manager managed and we were like 1975 are playing at Death Institute let's go nobody knows the headliner and it was totally sold out so in like the very earliest days me and Manny were stood outside Death Institute with robbers just echoing down the staircase, not being allowed in. Like, bro, come on. We'll come out before the headliner. Let us in. (laughs) One of the questions that I was sent in, basically they wanted to know what kind of other music you were listening to that led you to find the 1975 at the time? I I suppose really it's uh, not a case of the music we were listening to, is it? It was uh, the the stories just through the connection through Dan, really, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it, yeah. at a wider level, we were playing those gigs with them because we were listening to like pop punk and emo music and like Blink, Jimmy Eat World, Our Client Trio and stuff and trying to make music like them. So I guess that's uh, it's probably not the context they were expecting for the question, but that, that, that's why it happened. Yeah. I think I think as well, though, that we uh, when we heard them in the early days, I think we recognized all the music we already liked. So like we recognized the kind of their, their pop punk influences. And also the kind of like indie rock of the noughties as well. That yeah, like for me and my example are like massive fans of like yeah. Block Party, The Cribs, bands like that. I think it was kind of like yeah. both those kind of facets of our music taste, but then also kind of the more uh, production and experimental stuff that we liked as well. They've never <laughs> really admitted to being like fans of pop punk and stuff. When we know that they were, but when they cite their influences, it's always cool people. Um, and that's like an interesting thing yeah. that they've never but they've obviously sat in a room and decided not to mm. we'll pretend we don't like Blake <laughs> come on mate you love Blake yeah no one of yeah. our age got through high school without well some people did but you know what I mean people that are into nice music, you're in a band. yeah yeah like George didn't spend high school not loving <laughs> Travis Barker right another question that I was sent in was and I've noticed it a lot as well why do you think a lot of One Direction fans have now gravitated towards being big fans? I didn't realise they had. <laughs> and it seems to be like quite a lot of people have like progressed mm. from that, from their younger years to now being big fans of the 1975. Do you think the cover that they did on Live Lounge has anything to do with it? I, I do think that is a kind of thing to do with it, maybe. I remember when, like, in the early days of like um, when the first album came out and um, menswear's on, on it and Harry Styles tweeting Matty and it being a big deal and I think Zane Lowe went like asking them about it and was like, "So you're friends with Harry Styles now?" And he's like, "Well, maybe I am. I don't know." So, but so I think like you're almost given a bit of a link there, and I think there's always been a bit of a link between Matty and Harry. Um, because starting there, Matty nearly, right. um, nearly gave One Direction the sound. Like he, he did a writing session with them, and nothing was really happening until and he was like, "Well, I've got this song, and it was the sound." And he, yeah, they were close to giving it One Direction. He was like, "Actually, no, we'll keep it for us." Right. Oh, yeah, I don't. No, think, I think it would become too twee if you gave it to uh, One Direction. Yeah. Matty, like, actually, I don't like money. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when they say, uh, <laughs> call me on the phone when you're playing with yourself. I can't imagine One Direction getting away with that line. 
You'd be su- you'd be surprised some of the lyrics <laughs> that they sing about. Like they've got a song called uh, called No Control, and it's like oh, waking up oh, side with a loaded gun. I just think there's a similarity between but, robbers and anyway. falling. I just think they've got a, a similar sort of vibe to them. Yes. So I do feel that the influence yeah. in 975 comes through with um, Harry Styles. Yeah, I, I think it's like quite just. It's the nineteen seventy five is a nice way to rebel a little bit, isn't it? If you if you've grown up on like that real sort of bubblegum One Direction, and it's like a pretty accessible way to get into something a bit more edgy, and maybe Harry Styles is mates with Matty as well, so it's like maybe the go to place to be as you grow up as a One Direction fan. Yeah, I think it's probably like yeah. it's a bit of a gateway almost. Like the 1975 is like a gateway to go from pop to indie music or guitar music. Yeah, um, and I think as well, would would it not be something like when did the nine when did One Direction kind of like disband? What year would that have been? <laughs> I think if it's 2013, then that's the year that the 1975's first album came out. Yeah. So I think if people are, I think as well another thing that we didn't touch on. I think people really want to be. Um, people really want to be like well, stands, let's say, because mm. um, we see on the example on the Twitter now we follow like lots of 1975 stands and 1975 accounts, and you'll see them post like, "I want to be a this person stand. What song should I listen to?" <laughs> uh, so I think maybe there's probably like people, oh. if the One Direction aren't doing anything, they want to be involved in a community for somebody else, mm. and I think 1975 is a good. Yeah fan community to be involved in yeah what makes them different from other bands such as like the arctic monkeys and stuff like that that were around kind of a similar time kind of arctic monkeys kind of started fading away a little bit then but i think there's more with the 1975 i feel like everything is considered um to the extent of like the album visuals the uh, the stuff that Matty says that really I think he stays to make sure that people are talking about him and his band. Um, I, I think a, lo- a lot of it, I think the music's really good, obviously, but I think a lot of the reason why you say the Arctic Monkeys have faded away is because I don't think the Arctic Monkeys are necessarily that bothered about keeping as relevant, let's say, mm. as the 1975. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think that the 1975 i think i think hearty monkey struggled at the end of the i know it's not a direct comparison between the two but i think they they struggled with their third and fourth album yeah is that they they okay. came at a time when the indie guitar music of the noise was dwindling and people were going more towards like at the start of the 2010s like pop music and edm music was massive um so i think they kind of they struggled yeah. through that and then a- am came out and it was like undeniably massive but I think that even with the music, the 975 has still made sure that they're relevant. Like they've, they've included so many different styles in their albums, and people were saying like notes is a mess because it's all yeah. over the place, and it is as a compliment. But I think having an understanding of what's going on um, in the sort of like uh, zeitgeist, let's say, of like music pop culture, I think has sustained their uh, popularity for four albums. They stood out for me because they almost like. They just combined a few different genres or just a few different elements. So if you were like heavily into pop punk, they brought like a little bit of Indian at the start and that's what like hooked us. Um, but the lyrics as well, like I don't think, I I, I believe Josh has never done this, but I, I used to do like this. 
no like lyrics that I would be like, oh, that's how I like feel in like real sort of indie music. Don't think there's as much like emotional depth. But then like you listen to like sex and it's like you could quote that song to like somebody and be like, this is how I feel right now. <laughs> they really stuck out for me because of the lyrics. And you've got like the lyrics, the hand noise, and then the way George and Ross like bounce off each other like and make this sick rhythm section, which is really different and has like jazz influences and stuff and but and then they, when they all, all that's together it's like ah oh, yeah this is a bit i think you need to explain hand noise dan <laughs> oh, hand noise is uh... yeah i'm gonna say that probably a lot of people think <laughs> hand, hand noise is a, a repetitive <laughs> palm muted picking pattern um that hand will do Loads. What's a good example of hand noise? Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Arctic Monkeys' success is a side effect of their talent. It's just like they just wanted to make music. It happened to be really good, and now they're massive. Whereas I feel like in 1975, I've got talent in an equal measure, but they just apply it in a more intelligent Maybe that's that's kind of saying insulting to Arctic Monkeys, but they, oh, yeah, they apply it more intentionally and go, right, this is what we're going to do. Like Josh was saying with the whole lights, it's a full experience. Each individual piece of music that they bring, so if you've got the stems to their songs, I personally could listen to the stems on their own because I find them so interesting. Um, and those that <laughs> don't do music tech, not that I do, um, is the if you were to imagine the song <laughs> in a piece of software, each individual piece is the stem effectively. So the guitar is a stem, the vocals are a stem. Do you find it hard sometimes to separate how good their songs and their writing and their performance is from sometimes? Um, I would I wrote down in my notebook <laughs> problematic <laughs> activism. <laughs> I don't struggle. I kind of roll my eyes a bit at his activism, I suppose. Sometimes it feels a bit forced, like he's doing it just to, all right, I need to tick a box because this is what the fans expect of me. But then on the other side of that, when the fans are deeply, deeply disappointed in some minor thing that he's done, I just think he's he's just a human being. Like, he's having a laugh. Just some bloke from Wednesday. The backlash he gets is way too much considering the things he's done. Like, I think I feel like with a lot of things he does, all you need to do is just take him to one side and go, you know, you probably shouldn't say that. And that's it. Yeah. Slap on the wrist. It's that um, old age um, thing though, isn't it? That uh, all, yeah. all uh, presses are good press. So it doesn't matter if it's bad or not, because it does make, it does make yeah, news. Yeah in regards to everything and then push more to the forefront so yeah. then obviously it sells gets more, more clicks albums it's, just, it's true though i think i think with my like like matt said he, he's never done anything that bad it is always kind of like you know you shouldn't have said that matt that was too much and i think he is whole like, he's held accountable to i think quite a high degree sometimes but i think fundamentally he's not a bad guy like no. he's you know, it, it, like the whole loving someone, like the song that way, it's like, and he's all about promoting like LGBTQ plus rights. Um, the whole thing with Greta Thunberg, they've been doing, 
promoting like climate change activism. Like I think he has done a lot of good, but I, I also think at times he takes it too far when he does say stupid stuff and he should stop. You know, at the risk of being cancelled, like I, I think Matty probably isn't held accountable enough. Do you know what I mean? When you look at the cliche of uh, rock stars that do drugs, he's more intelligent than Justin Bieber. He's, you know, and his lyrics, his whole brand is based on him being. So for him to go and do drugs and make that decision to go and like, and I, I mean heroin in particular, like he's 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 always like a victim in that story, and I'm not sure that that's right all the time, like. I think he probably should be like, Matty, you're, you're not an idiot. Like, what situation did you find yourself in where that was an appropriate mm. thing to do? I saw a headline um, that I don't I can't even remember where I read it now, um, but they have been labelled the most <laughs> hated and loved band in the world. I, would you Would yeah. you agree or disagree with that? I think I'm yeah. uh, That's just the enemy, isn't it? They yeah, yeah. Well, that is it. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's somehow <laughs> cool to hate the nine seventy five. I don't understand why. I think it's just, they just I think they just represent something that people that like Oasis are offended by. Yeah, well, it's, it's almost like a band for fan girls, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think what makes them hate them more is that they they are objectively good even if you don't like that style of music you can't say that they're not talented surely i mean someone will but yeah i think it probably pains them they're like oh i want to i want to hate you but you're actually really catchy she's got a boyfriend anyway i was just gonna say i think the probably the sound is probably too pop for the kind of like oasis cortinas liking crowd and i think they're the one that they get the most hate from um yeah the 1975 is the same crowd as the arctic monkeys just with those lads really the dark fruit yeah. lads who love you know th that sort of music just with them removed yeah. and they're like yeah they can be so like vociferous in their hate for the 1975 now i think it's just that the music just represents not what they like It's, um, yeah, the music has a lot of emotion in it and stuff, isn't yeah. it? Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of feelings there. A lot of guys don't like to talk about the feelings. Yeah. Come on, guys. Talk yeah, it's kind, it's kind of like um, they'll allow women into their domain of the Cortinas because they want to go they want to go much Cortinas with the bird. But the 975s, like, that's, that's the girls' domain, and I don't enter that. Well, that leads me kind of nicely on to this other question. So I kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but do you think, obviously, as guys, that you're viewed differently to how much you support them compared to women? Because when I've been, it is predominantly girls, women that are there that I see. I don't know if just I get overwhelmed with excitement when we see them live and I just have this perception. But <laughs> I feel like guys at an N75 concert are viewed, or us three particular uh, a few less creepy than your average guy at a gig i feel like it's kind of like oh well if you like the 975 you're not going to try and touch me up in the pit. Do, you know, do you know what i mean i feel like <laughs> i feel so much more comfortable just talking to strangers at a 975 gig well i say strangers i mean girls because pretty much all there is at a 975 gig but i just spark conversations because it's like yeah. yeah it feels more community 
a good example was of... Was it uh, an oh, oh, I was just going to say quickly, a, a good example of this is that the three of us went to watch Lainey, like, was it two be two years ago? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, 95% girls. Yeah. Um, but we... we we didn't feel out of place because we yeah, love Lainey. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't really kind of like maybe if you ask like another like male fan of the band, you might get a different answer. But for us particular, I think that we don't really consider no. it that much. That lady gig was just like ridiculous. We um, were in a room like when it, we were in a room with you know what thousands yeah. of people, yeah. thousands, a couple thousand, yeah. yeah, having the they were having a life defining moment. All these girls and I was like. Oh, this is meant that like the energy in that room was unreal. Um, okay, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna move on to a the what I like to call the quick fire round. It's a nice catchy name. Okay, nice and simple to start. Okay, okay. So I'll go again. Favorite song? It, sh- it changed on a regular basis, but I think we're gonna have to go with robbers. Okay. Favorite. Uh, self-titled album. was the first one. Self-titled. I like it when you sleep. Um, uh, favorite music the, video. The original. The sound. The sound. Let's go then to round it off with the last two questions. She um, lays down. Yeah, I think I'm really struggling with this. Yeah. So many contenders. <laughs> you know what? Now, this is controversial, but I think it's love me. No, 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 change my mind, people. You know, I like to go off the songs with analysed in detail because you really know them so well. <laughs> um, so I'd go with She Lays Down as well. It was, we, we rank all the songs on the album in order of our favourites um, after each album, and it didn't do well. The last one is <laughs> the worst album. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, that is hard. Um... <laughs> Okay, just because I think there is the most filler on it. I don't know, that's a loaded word to say. I'm, and I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say no, it's on a conditional form. I think you've got a very valid point there, Josh. Yeah. Uh, this is so difficult, isn't it? But I think it's technically the best album, but the one I want to listen to least. So, yeah, I agree with you there. That awkward moment when your podcast is going towards something that you don't, you don't like as much. Uh, same answer. Uh oh. Can, can I just quickly say though, just on that, there is like a yeah, phenomenal no, thirteen track album. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. What has it been like to see um, the band grow from Drive Like I Do to now? It's been great seeing that one of the things that we feel so connected to the band is that there are such a similar like age profile to us they live in a similar area like more or less manchester let's say um so seeing some guys that we really like relate to go from playing being like a manchester band to being you know headlining reading and leeds that's been really special but i I think as well it's it feels so deserved like it, it almost feels like from the start from the start that i got to know them definitely it feels like that's where they would end up I would say it's uh, it's this sounds cheesy, but it's been an incredible journey, and it really has. Um, with a little bit of heartbreak in it because uh, there was a period where they felt like they were our band, 
and then they were no longer our band. They were everyone's band. But once I got over that, I, I was just brimming with pride. I really, I felt like a parent. I really did. I still do. This is, yeah, some important fangirl stuff, you know. Yeah. If you are going to get in on the ground floor of a band and, and be a fangirl, mm. you need to be ready to lose them, which is, is dark, but you do, you have a, because, you know, you spend time telling people about how great they are, and then all of a sudden, you're the, you know, the percentage that you are of their fan base becomes tiny, minuscule to what it used to be. And it's like, oh, no. And there is, like, a sense of loss in that. So obviously you're pleased for the success. Yeah, there's, it, it's something to consider. Like, you know, if you're really there at the start, you, it's it's going to get, um, yeah, it's just a strange thing to go to. To, to his credit <laughs> as well, uh, he does remember us, doesn't he? Like I've seen him <laughs> on a night out in Manchester and he came over and spoke to me. I didn't like go, excuse me, Mr. Healy, do you remember me? Can we just have a quick chat? He spotted me, came over, and they were they were big at this time. They weren't playing arenas, but they were big. So, you know, it's it's nice that he hasn't forgotten about me. <laughs> I, I was um, describing to my parents, actually, pretty recently about them, because they were like, oh, that band that you used to like, how are they doing? And I'm like, yeah, the, the headlines are in there. They're, they're a massive international band, they play arenas all the time. Oh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's for them. Um, but the uh, I was I was trying to describe it to him, and I was like, Matt Healy is a spokesperson for a generation. Do you know what I mean? There's people like, um, and I was trying to come up with like a, somebody as as relevant from his life. I was like, he's like Mick Jagger. I was like, he is the, the rock star spokesperson for a generation people look to him to be told what to think and that's nuts isn't it so yeah i want to see him on some like major chat shows and stuff i want him to become a national treasure and a full-on celebrity yeah that would be cool um i want i don't want them to i don't want their kind of like discography to follow too much the path of radiohead where they go from guitar music and they get progressively weirder and weirder I want the next album to be something more yeah. familiar to that. I, I I don't necessarily want self um, self title <laughs> part two like Matt said, but I I don't want them to continue getting more and more experimental where it gets almost like a challenge to listen. Let's say. Okay, and then to round everything off, what has been a fan uh, of the nineteen seventy five taught you? Weirdly, lots. Like I think when I there was kind of a moment. I was more thinking the second album when I was I was in a band at the time as well. I was like, oh, this isn't just about the songs are good. It's about you've got to consider everything. Um, like like I said before, like the visuals are on point, the stage setup is like incredible. Lyrically they're amazing, the songs are great, and like I feel like they do really consider everything. And I th- I think taught me is that you can't really You've got. To, oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I, I think like you, you've really got to like work for something. You've got to like throw yourself into it to really make <laughs> it work on like a massive level. Let's say. I think for me, it is the more famous you get, the le- less effort you need to put into your clothing. <laughs> 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 that, I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like in the context of being a fangirl, yeah, it's it's important to just. I think you should. It's taught me that you have to do it for you because you know, I mean, you can't put. Even though we had a really good go at like pushing them to other people, like just enjoy it. And just yeah, enjoy it for yourself. If anybody listening wants to come and find you online, so we're at the nineteen seventy five pod. Um, but if you go to our Twitter page, that's where you'll find like links to everything. Thanks to Dan, Josh, and Matt for joining me this week to talk all about the nineteen seventy five. Make sure you check out our Instagram at that fangirl life podcast to find out more about them and their podcast. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to give us a follow on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week when it's the season finale and you guys get to grill me finally. Mm-hmm.